Hey, mate. Welcome to your weekly rugby league session. Uh, thank you, sir. How are you? Good, mate. It's not really your weekly. You have a few podcasts uh, now, so you get to talk rugby league all week. That's right, mate. <laughs> I'm a um, I'm a one stop rugby league shop these days. <laughs> hey, thanks for the. Uh, I got my uh, I got my little big T mail, which was fantastic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the uh, hat. Yeah, it was cool, man. I got my, my Dragons membership hat, thanks to you being a member, which is uh, pretty sad that I'm not a member, but yeah. I was just about to ask. Yeah, right. Yeah, but all good, man. It's, um, yeah. You've got another, you've got another bunch of things in the mail. What do you mean? What do you mean what do I mean? There's more, Big T doesn't stop at one package, man. The moment I get your address, Fuck. it's non-stop. My wife's going to start asking questions. <laughs> Who's this guy that keeps sending don't you rugby act, league merchandise? Don't act like she doesn't already ask you questions about us, mate. <laughs> She's like, what are all these conversations you go off and have in your car every night about why rugby do you league? Keep saying, yeah, why do you keep whispering Big T's name while you sleep? <laughs> why do you keep whispering it after? No, I won't say that. <laughs> Shouting it out. Uh, yeah. mate. <laughs> plenty going on. Uh, should I just start by saying I'm Michael Carboni? This is episode 63 of the Chasing Kangaroos podcast. You're listening to Chasing Kangaroos, the rugby league podcast for fans who are passionate about seeing the game played in more places. Mate, what a week. What do you think of our double episode or two episodes last week? Well, um, I was so excited by how important it was because the second one was like breaking news, almost live breaking news. It was pretty cool, hey? And it, um, it, sort, of, um, it sort of gave you a little bit of, uh, bit of that writing bug because you wrote an article based on it, I guess, didn't you, for, for the <laughs> yeah. Raw? You've written a few articles this week. I'm pretty, it's, they're pretty, it's been a lot of fun to read, man. Oh, that's very kind of you. Thanks. Yeah, no, that. Um, well, you just write about what you know, right? So when I um, when I'm a one stop rugby league shop, <laughs> it's just um, you just got to keep keep thinking about how else you can how else you can think about rugby league and do things about rugby league. So I hadn't ever done anything like this. So it's a great time to you know do things you haven't done before, and you've now got some time to do it, mental time to do it. So. I thought I'd do that, and one thing that I now know about, is thanks for talking to you and all the great people around the world and, and all the people on Twitter who talk to me about it, and you slightly more about um, the growth of our game, and you had just done an excellent interview about the Pacific 13. Obviously, we've we've talked to the PNG people. The Fiji one is also in the pipeline, so I just felt like if you're going to grow the game, that's going to be the best place to do it. It seemed to be in the New South Wales or Queensland Rugby League. Well, let's talk about your article, man. You, you called it How a Farm System Could Help the NRL Expand. I thought it was... Oh. Cool. What, what, t- tell me about it. Tell me about your idea. Tell us about your idea. Well, so so if, if anyone reads through it, I do it a, a bunch of times to try and allude to the fact that it's not my idea at all. It's other people's ideas that I've kind of now decided that is I, I like enough to now put my name next to as well. And a big shout out needs to go to to everyone's best friend, Nate Gladden. The man because uh, <laughs> I was listening to I was listening to his episode recently with the Super League pod guy 
And I think Nate was talking about how he really liked that idea also in England, that they needed a semi-pro and how they really needed to farm and blah, blah, blah. And it, really, and it reminded me of minor league and how he was saying that minor league teams are college football is excellent because you could you could just drive 15 minutes to go and see a game of rugby league rather than drive the two and a half hours across England to go and see a game. Yes. So really, they, they should be doing stuff like that. I heard that went, that's such an excellent um, point. And then I started thinking about that here where you get so many people that go to Newtown games or, or Bears games and then I started, started thinking about the PNG and and I was like, well, that's happening here. We just need to do that better. And the, and the Super the, the Super Bowl kind of game that we have at the end of the year between the top Queensland and New South Wales things has so much, is really growing. And Channel 9 plays a lot of those New South Wales Cup games. I just I just started to think, this is this is a thing that's already happening here and, and it's got some momentum. So it could be great if we had that kind of farm system here that we had heaps of. We, we don't invest so much in one league, but we pay it a lot more attention and, and care about growing people down there and growing teams down there. And then we like idolize the 16 and sow the 16 into immortality where, where those teams definitely stay. The NRL, you know, keeps those kind of cemented forever, but we have this cool minor league where, where teams can, can be put into or taken out of or there's growth and movement and, and there's, and there's heaps of stuff down there. And then it gets rid of all of those problems about we don't have enough players, you know, to make up more teams. Well, we're watching them grow. We're watching teams grow. And the Pacific 13, sort of, they saw that as a goal. So they, they tried to strive for that. So Adelaide can then do that or Perth can then do that. It just, it just seemed like a much more achievable goal to try and get someone into a minor league. um, than it was to try and get someone into, um, our top, top, super top grade. It makes a lot of sense. And, um, the, the topic, the interview that I have tonight, is going to be very similar, but on the other side of the world, and we'll get more into that later. But we, we spoke to Matt Church about how much talent is in Papua New Guinea that goes unrecognised and the oh, yeah. pathway that the hunters have, have provided. We've we've spoken at length, you and I, before about the Cavite Silktails and now Pacific uh, Trez um, and, and the pathway that they can open up for some of these Pacific Islanders and, and the French now as well. So it makes sense to keep adding to that. And I know it would be an expensive exercise if you started adding, you know, the Adelaide Rams and Perth and a Hobart team or a Northern Territory team or a Tongan team. It it, it becomes very expensive. Um, so, you know, people would think, yeah, that's a pie-in-the-sky sort of idea, but slowly, slowly you can build that out. We've already got three great expansion teams in our lower grades. That can yeah. grow over time. Two things that I love I've about never heard them. I've never heard them complain about money either. Exactly. So, yeah, hmm. two, two great things about that is, in, in Sydney in the past, after the Super League war, we're worried about clubs dying, you know, clubs merging, yeah. clubs dying. Well, look, the Newtown Jets, you mentioned them, the North Sydney Bears, you mentioned them, they're not dead. They're still there and they no. can still have a, a very successful life in a lower tier competition. And really, when you think about it, that lower tier competition, that second tier competition, Super Bowl style, like you say, Queensland Cup, New South Wales Cup, clubs from all over the Pacific, it's actually bigger than the old New South Wales Rugby League when you think about it. So for sure. it's 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 just fantastic for those brands to survive there. Um, yeah, I reckon it's really cool. Add a draft system to all of that, and all of a sudden, oh my God. a really cool second division. That uh, that's that the thing about it. You take the you take the experimental crazy nature that rugby league's happy to do, and you put it into this brand that can't run the NRL or can only better it. And so then you can also have the conference thing that we've talked about. Because if we get so many teams and it becomes crazy travel, then we have people in conferences again. Like, you know how we keep talking about how cool we need a conference. It's almost like you can do all the bits that we love about other sports around the world. We try and do in this 
in this second tier thing. And I mean, it's a crazy idea, but it's a much easier idea for me to get around than trying to change the NRL or change the product that, we're, that everybody kind of idolizes or it's the number one top, you know, competition of rugby league in the world. So that's not, that's not crazy around that too much, but, you know, the minor league thing could be a lot of fun to move around. And we, we the other thing that it could sorry. do... Yeah, sorry, go for it. No, well, I was just going to say, the other thing it could do is just, like, give everyone more of an appetite for International Rugby League, which I know is something that's been brought up recently because of Channel 9's or Wide World of Sports' weird um, take on, on the international eligibility. Oh, that's one we wanted to clarify as well. But first, let me just say, one thing I wanted to add to that as well, T, is... We always talk about which club, we always talk about expansion, and I know that's probably on the back burner now with everything that's going on, but we're, all, we're constantly discussing which club, which city should be next. Should it be Perth? Should it be Brisbane too? Should it be New Zealand too? Should it be PNG? Yeah. Should it be Adelaide? Where do we go next? And with this division or with this like second tier that you're sort of talking about, you can have all of them eventually, and they can prove exactly themselves right. here, and eventually, <laughs> if they're successful then they move into the NRL. So I think there's a lot of potential for that idea, man. I know, like you said in your article, um, there's, there's you know, probably a lot of holes in the plan and there's probably a lot that would oh, need to sure. be worked out. But, yeah. you know, why not dream? It could be cool. Yeah. I feel like it's a much easier for us to dream in that league than it is to try and dream changing the NRL and all of its fans. Definitely, mate. Uh, now, Mo, please go back and clarify that world, world of, world, wide world of sports stuff. Yeah, so speaking of articles, so there was um, there was an article which confused a few people last week. It was on Wide World of Sports website. A few people discussing it on Twitter. But I'll, I'll, t- I'll, read a, I'll read a snippet from that. Basically said that the International Rugby League body are reportedly set to introduce a number of changes to qualification rules, which will force some NRL players to make the tough call on their origin eligibility. So under the new rules, NRL players who wish to represent either New South Wales or Queensland at state of origin level will not be allowed to play for another country other than Australia for test footy. Now, the, the International Rugby League came out and, and pretty much responded to that, saying, to confirm, origin is not a part of International Rugby League eligibility rules. So basically, <laughs> it, look, it's very confusing. At the start of the year, and we mentioned this on the show as well, but the yeah. IRL did change the eligibility rules. They've pretty much, Wide World of Sports has pretty much rehashed those rules now, but they've... Mm. They're saying that it's for state of origin when it's actually not. So the actual the actual rules as it states for the International Rugby League are, and this is just snippets from a longer document, but a player who is eligible to play for more than one nation shall be entitled to select A, a T1 nation, which is Australia, New Zealand, England, or B, one T2 nation or T3 nation as well. So if they don't make Australia, England, New Zealand, they can select one of the others. They can select Samoa, they can select Fiji, they can se- select Italy or whatever they like. Now, on top of that, a player who has elected to represent a nation cannot then elect to represent another nation in the same calendar year. So effectively what Wide World of Sports are saying or what the article kind of meant, I believe, was that if you select to play State of Origin, you are electing to represent Australia and therefore mm. are not allowed to play for anyone else that year, which is actually not true. So international, just to clarify, international rugby league eligibility has nothing to do with state of origin. Um, so, yeah, that sort of clears that up. I mean, it's so unusual for a, a 
news outlet like that to create something that would create a lot of leaks, uh, clicks, even though it has nothing to do with truth. What do you mean? At the moment, yeah. <laughs> hey, also, speaking of international things, uh, I think the, uh, the Project Apollo were considering origin-like series between New Zealand and Tonga. Did you hear about this at the end of the season? Yeah, I saw that too. It's funny. I've heard quite a few things, and I had a little bit of a rant about this on Twitter earlier in the week, which you might have saw, but there's, there's been a number. So at the moment, Obviously, it's very tricky. Like, we don't even know what the NRL season is going to look like, what the schedule looks like, and I'm sure that will be announced soon. It might even be announced before this episode goes live. We're not exactly sure when Super League is coming back either. So, of course, we're not really sure what happens with internationals at the end of the year, if they happen at all. Now, we can pretty much guess or assume that the Kangaroo Tour is not going to happen, and that's unfortunate, but I, I highly doubt the borders, the international borders will be open between Australia and the UK by the end of the year at all this yeah. year to be honest with you so look we can pretty much we can pretty much come to that conclusion but a few things that I heard and and a couple of weeks ago I heard that Oceania was definitely 100% still going ahead and what that was going to entail was a, a triple header uh, so it was going to be New Zealand Tonga and then I believe it was going to be PNG Fiji and then Samoa Cook Islands so that was going to be a triple header played at the end of the season then we started hearing things about, hey, what if, and this came from Project Apollo, what if Tonga and New Zealand played a three-test series at the same time that State of Origin is played? Which I think would be pretty epic, to be honest with you. Like, that would be good any year, let alone on a year like this. But then, yeah. the, then the issue becomes, well, what about Oceania Cup? What about Fiji, Papua New Guinea, Samoa? What about Cook Islands? You know, these sides that, you know, earned the right to be in, this competi- in these competitions it's kind of unfair to them, and uh, I know there's a bit going on in the background there. The other thing that we heard was that if New Zealand played Tonga in a three-test series, then the winner would play Australia after State of Origin, which, again, sounds epic, but why does Australia get to be at the end of all that? You know, yeah, what I mean? like, yeah. Tonga just beat mm-hmm. them. New Zealand's the world number one team. Why does Australia get to walk straight into that final? So mm. I guess the only way that would work is if they call it Oceania Cup. So if that Tonga New Zealand series is called the Oceania Cup, and since Australia are technically the holders of last year's Oceania Cup, then they play the winner in a grand final of sorts, which would be pretty cool. But then it leaves out the likes of Fiji, PNG, Samoa, Cook Islands, which is not very mm. cool. So look, look, I guess the, <laughs> the, the long story is, of, is that we don't know exactly what's going to happen. I'm kind of glad that International Rugby League is still being discussed and that all the parties appear to be going back and forth. I feel like I read an article just now. It was um, Brad Walter in, on NRL.com. Oh, I'm looking at it at the same time, Cub. How good is it? Well, he's, well you, you, you go, what do you think of that article? Tell us what you think. Well, well, I mean, I was just about to concur with you and you're saying it's great that people are talking about um, International Rugby League because it's great that Brad Walter – I mean – I, I tweeted not long ago that I don't believe anything. I don't believe any news unless the ABC tells me, and I don't believe news unless NRL.com tells me. And so it was great to see Brad Walter talking um, about it. And he, he, like you were saying, that having that kind of triple header was a great idea, but it's not going to happen, uh, except for an Oceania Cup thing might happen. But then he starts talking about the cost and, and how there's no broadcast revenue for that and how that was an issue. Um, everyone's super best friend. Paul Mack underscore 78 asking why there's no TV revenue available for postseason matches. And Brad said the current NRL broadcast deal was no- negotiated before 2017 World Cup. Yeah, and it includes so there wasn't internationals, much- yeah. 
Yeah, so there wasn't much interest in Tonga, Fiji, et cetera, at the time. And so to try and sell a one-off test series is quite difficult, um, particularly now. And so they're relying a lot on gate takings, and that's a real problem in, in a time of COVID where you don't even know if we can have yeah. um, people going to games. So that's well, a big risk. What it does confirm is a lot of these internationals, you know, we, we know we're going to get state of origin, and we know that's going that gets huge gate and and sponsorship dollars i'm sorry yeah. uh, tv and sponsorship dollars yeah regardless of whether there's eighty thousand people there or not but when it comes to internationals we don't really have that so unless there's a crowd it's probably not worth putting it on they run at a loss and as we know the international rugby league can't afford to do that um so that's that's you know it's unfortunate um but we don't know what it's going to look like at the end of the year this sort of thing's changing day by day um, if you're here in New South Wales, you know, you're going to be able to sit in a cafe or a restaurant by the end of the week, you know, as long as there's only yeah. nine other people there with you. So things are changing all the time. People laughed when the NRL said they're going to be back by May 28. Now it looks like, you know, all sport is coming back sooner rather than later. So the NRL were on the front foot now. So we don't know what's going to happen. I'm glad we're talking about internationals. I'm glad we're planning it. Planning it. I'm glad the right people are talking to each other about it. So Project Apollo. Mm is headed by Wayne yeah. Pierce, who's also on the International Rugby League board. Um, so the right people are there, part of the conversation. And look, hopefully we can, we've can. we got plenty of International Rugby League to talk about at the end of the year. And uh, yeah, we'll just see what happens next, but anything is possible. The thing that I really loved about Brad Walters' article is that it wasn't pessimistic, unlike lots of other articles. He was like, there is silver lining to all of this unease. And, and he was saying the fact that Super League and the NRL are going to be the most lined up they've ever been how much of an opportunity that is and how there's a real great chance to reset and and get an eight-year cycle and, and put in International Rugby League around, you know, the new Super League NRL structures and, and how that, that opportunity has never been really present and how, you know, th- there's a real chance, as you said, that we've got Wayne Pierce, who's a big international football supporter. Uh, there's someone else from the IRB who's on Project Apollo. Peter Beattie, who's just the chairman, is on the IRB board. So. You know, there, there's there, I think excellent well, opportunity. Yeah. Ex USA, right. USA Tomahawk, yeah. and um, he's also Players Association as well. And also, um, the guy who's from the RLPA, who's um, also played in America, and is also Clint, on Clint Newton. <laughs> I think it's Clint Newton. Yeah, Clint Newton. <laughs> yeah, so he also played for America, and he also um, he also is on Project Apollo. So it's great. It's great. It's a really great opportunity for international rugby league to take off. Um, if we can get the right bits moving. Positive Rugby League, and I'm glad, yeah. I've been only reading NRL.com lately. There's been a lot of negativity. I don't understand the negativity at the moment. NRL's coming back. I'm not worried about who's getting flu jabs and who's training hard and who's not. I'm not worried about that <laughs> stuff. I just want the NRL. A um, little bit disappointed that, you know, Channel 9 are signing on for four more years for a lot less money, and it's being talked about as uh, the biggest TV deal of all time. But let's not quite go there. Other podcasts will talk about that one. But, mate, um, yeah. yeah, huge interview coming up. But before that, I just want to let the listeners know that hashtag Ask Mascord Browns is still on. So your chance to win a limited edition Denver Test T-shirt. Uh, all you have to do, hashtag, use the hashtag Ask Mascord Browns on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Ask a question. And uh, tag us if you want. Like us, like Mascord Browns as well. And the best question will win. Uh, the best question, as selected by Phil Brown and Steve Mascord, will win that Denver Test T-shirt. We've already had some great questions. There's two in particular that I really liked, but uh, it's going to go for another week. So, guys out there, you have you still have another chance uh, to win that. So, thanks to our friends at mascordbrowns.com 
in mascotbrowns.com.au. And of course, uh, use the ha- use the di- I was going to say t- hashtag use the discount code uh, twenty twenty vision for ten percent off everything at mascotbrowns.com mascotbrowns.com.au. Now, Carbs, I'm worried that you said that you're liking two of them. You did notice that I did make a question, so don't don't accidentally put me in the in the top two. Did I say two? I like three of them. Okay, because <laughs> you know, just just be warned that you don't want. I don't want to trip you up, and then you go, "This is the best question ever," and then you have a look later and see that it was mine. And you're like, oh, no, what we, we can always do? change. We can always change your name. We'll see. We'll see. Oh yeah, I should have used the burner account. Yeah, go for it. There's plenty of those out there, as, so we've, as we've learned over the last week or so. <laughs> Mate, um, for me. Ma- ma- massive, uh, massive discussion tonight. But I do want to let you guys know. Who about- oh, well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. But I want to let you guys know about some interviews that are coming up in the next few weeks because we've got so much lined up. It's not funny. Um, Carbonara's got- calendar. You can't get onto his dance card at the moment. It's well, so full. I feel bad. There are people that I've, I've promised episodes to and interviews with, but I just sort of am needing to sort of fend them off at the moment. Um, but. It's it's happening. We've got Quinn Nawadi. It's in the can. That's ready to go. And I've been looking forward to releasing yep. that one for a while. We've had to hold back because of uh, Pacific Trez and because of the news we're going to announce tonight, um, Euro 13. Um, so we've got Quinn, Nova- Quinn Nawadi next week. I'm, I'm um, recording an interview with Eric Perez from the Ottawa Aces uh, on Friday. So we'll release that one soon as well. Uh, we're talking to someone from South Africa Rugby League, and I'm keen to learn all about that because... It's an area I don't know much about. Uh, you're speaking to someone from the Philippines Rugby League, which again is an area we don't know much about. You're speaking to him this week? Yeah. Awesome. So that one's going to be in the can as well. And then there's Who Run the World? So the Women's Rugby League episode, which is has been yeah. in the works since the start of the year, and we're slowly, well, we've been slowly building it well, for months. Very slowly piecing that one together as well. So we've got heaps mm. of action, um, heaps going on. But tonight's episode is pretty big. Um, Pacific Trez last week was huge. This one could potentially trump that in terms of like the effect it could have on on the world of rugby league. So we've heard about things like this in the past. Um, it's called Euro Thirteen. So it's a, a proposed European club competition, uh, which could start as early as next year. It's it's Oofed. there's plenty going on in the background. There's actually two concepts going on in the background and i'll sort of mention that in the discussion as well but this one is with um two guys who we all know uh, are, are involved in this two guys that have been on the show before so the first one is dean bucken he's the ceo of valencia Haracanes and the spanish rugby league mm. and uh you'll remember him guys from episode 55 of chasing kangaroos nrl pain and rugby league in spain so that was right at the start of this whole COVID 19 <laughs> actually seems like so long ago the other yeah. person involved is Orazio Daro. So we all know him as well, the president of the Federazione Italiana Rugby League. So he was uh, on the show, of course, all the way back on episode 16, Rugby League in Italia, with your favourite episode, T. And he was also on episode four of the official International Rugby League podcast last November. Mm. Both of those are in the archives. I've just had confirmation as well that um, I'm going to get some help on this interview. Oh. So I've, I've caught in the big guns and I've got, Good friend of the show, Mr. Rugby League in America himself, Nate Gladden. And of course, he's been on. Oh, thank God. He's been on five or six. You thought I was going to say Big T. <laughs> he's been on five or no, six. No, no, no. I was, getting, I was getting more upset that you were saying you were getting the big guns and there was a bigger gun than me. I was like, hold on. Cool, you jets. But no, okay, the biggest gun is, is Nate Gladden. He's he is the sure. So it's going to be me. It's going to be Nate Gladden. It's going to be Orazio Daro and Dean Bucken. And uh, I'm about to have that conversation now. So, Big T, 
You're going to have to wait till... Well, before you go, I just yeah. want to say something up super quick yeah. because I, I have recorded my favourite... Um, I've written down and recorded my favourite ever, Chasing Kangaroos once, yeah. and fans will know that, that episode 16 with, with Horatio was my second favourite. What was your Thank first? you very much. My actual favourite was episode 40 with Mascot Carbs. That was the best. Mascot Carbs was the best episode of any podcasting for ages when you talk to Steve Mascot. Oh, my God. It changed my perspective on rugby league for life. We're going to have to do it again. Steve Mascord, I know you're listening. Please. Come back. Yes, please. T, I'm going to have to love you and leave you. Um, yeah. Looking forward to hearing what you think about Euro 13s after you listen to this episode on Wednesday. I can tell you I already love it. I, I don't need, <laughs> I mean, I'm happy to hear the details because I'm excited just to know more about it, but I'm going to be so around that I can't work out. I can't wait to work out which team I've got, which team you've got. Um, put a sandwich bet on, Super G. Which team Nate has, super excited. Could be huge. Thanks for the hat, buddy. We'll talk soon. All right, guys. Well, here we are. Uh, Like I said, very important conversation, uh, a concept that could change the face of rugby league around the world. I've got some important people here with me. Uh, I'm going to start with uh, my man who's going to be helping me with this interview, Mr. Rugby League in America himself, Nate Gladden. Uh, Welcome back, mate. It's good to be speaking to you again, as always. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's always a good time to have a chat with you. I didn't think a couple of years ago we'd be having this kind of a chat, but I'm really glad we are, man. <laughs> well, I'm glad it's with you, bud, and um, hope you're well as well. Obviously, tough times around the world, but we get to forget about that for a little while because we've absolutely. also got with us, uh, he's been on Chasing Kangaroos before. Um, he's the the CEO of Valencia Haracanes, Mr. Dean Buchan. Mr. Dean Buchan, how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm really good. And of course, uh, Orazio Daro, who's been on the show a few times as well, uh, the 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 um, president of the Italiano Rugby League. Welcome back, Ratz. Thank you, Michael, and uh, thank you, Nate, for the opportunity. Guys, um, look, massive news. It could be huge. It's a great concept. Euro 13s. Tell us about this competition. Well, where do we start? <laughs> it's um, something something very exciting, which um, is being born um, from the need and the requirement in the region, uh, and that comes down to uh, a player pathway for domestic players in um, European countries and to give them real opportunity to um, take the step up to a more competitive level and develop their rugby league skills and move up to higher competitions. Very exciting. Um, Dean, how's this initial format going to work for this new competition? What does the future look like? What can you tell us? Okay, so um, to understand the format for 2021, we kind of have to look at how the competition came about by inception. Yep. And then obviously how we're going to develop it. So um, initially this was... This competition was born out of the Valencia Hurricanes versus Featherstone Rovers game, where all of a sudden we were just receiving invitations to play teams from all around the world, but especially Europe. And the idea then was born to create a cup competition, um, kind of as a pre-season uh, domestic club competition around Europe. And as conversations developed with federations, with the RLES, um, it became clear that people actually wanted something which was more permanent, more um, rather than a pre-season friendly, but an actual a, a main competition. Yep. And that's exactly what we've done. So we've worked um, the, the Spanish 
Federation and the Italian federations have worked to create the, the cup format for 2021 with introducing the league format from 2022 alongside the cup competition. So this is a this is an independent initiative from Spain and Italy. How many nations and how many teams do you expect to be involved initially? Um, well, at the current count, we have over 20 applications from 14 different nations. The rules state to the competition that only one club representing a nation uh, can partake. Um, and in 2021, we're looking at a competition involving eight clubs. Can you, can you name some of the nations involved at this stage or the clubs that want to be involved at this stage? I think everybody wants to be involved. Um, that's certainly what we've what we've got, uh, and you know we've got multiple applications from teams in countries. So just in Spain, for example, there's more than one club who've applied to enter this competition. Yep. Um, obviously, our job as the Euro 13's operating committee is to investigate each of those applications and create the best format of a competition that we can. Um, but it just wouldn't be right to name a particular nation at this point. But, you know, I'm yet to meet someone who doesn't want to enter this competition. Yeah, beautiful. Nate, what do you, um, what do you think about hearing all of this, man? It's pretty exciting for, for a couple of international rugby league fans like us. Oh man, this is uh, a <laughs> yeah. Trust me, for uh, for the two of us, we're losing our minds right now. So I'm I'm extremely excited about this. I think the uh, the idea that the game's going to grow in in Europe, obviously, we all want uh, the fact that it, it's finally seems like it's got it's starting to have good footing. You know, I mean, all of this has to have a good solid you know base, and it's and it's awesome that that's being built, right? Like that, that that's there, and then we're we're looking at that. Inside of that, you know, inside of that twenty application, fourteen nation, that kind of thing, you know, the eight clubs you're talking about and everything else. Uh, can you kind of give people an idea of the like the geography, like the landscape? And obviously, I'm not expecting you to like name which team, which club, or you know what I'm saying. But as, so people kind of get that are listening if they don't really understand the kind of the 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 width and depth of uh, of what the Euro 13s could be from a from a nation standpoint, kind of the geography of it. Our main focus with these guys is promoting a, a pathway, as I've said. The landscape of that, what I've personally found over the past years is that the travel throughout Europe is, is very difficult and costly if the competition isn't at the right time. Yep. So where we're heading to that is, look, it, it most definitely will be mainland Europe, but I'll, I think you'll also have a few little surprise nations in there that, you know, have always been at the heart of rugby league way back in the 80s and trying to make a comeback now. And via this Euro 13, this is a vehicle which will give those nations a real opportunity to develop and flourish and grow and, and experience the sport. And it'll also have a reverse effect where in those nations, it will force those nations to create a stronger domestic competition, which will then totally evolve rug rugby league. Um, so... To say this is um, exciting is, is uh, underestimated. This is pretty um, off the charts in, in the sense of rugby league development. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pretty very proud to be associated with Dean in this. Well, it sounds huge. And Ruts, I know, like, I know you guys can't talk about nations that, that are potentially imply, applying at this stage, but Arazio, you can obviously talk about Italy. You know, you're there at the head of yeah. Italy and you know that we know that Italy is a part of this. So, And obviously a nation close to my heart, as you know from the discussions we've had, 
And we know like the difficulties that domestic rugby league has had in Italy over the last few decades. And I guess there there is talent there that wants to play rugby league. We spoke to Jali Cellerino a few weeks ago on the podcast, which I know you heard. And there's there's plenty of guys like that there that are probably playing more rugby union than rugby league because there just isn't a consistent domestic sort of competition there. But what we're potentially doing or what you guys are potentially doing with Euro 13s is you're establishing a pretty high sort of competition. Like aside from, you know, I guess the goal would be that aside from NRL and Super League, Euro 13s will be right up there in terms of standard. You're giving these guys a huge standard to aim for, but you're also making sure that the domestic competition in Italy, for example, is very strong so that these players and these teams can aspire to get into the Euro 13s. Now, you times that by the 12 to 14 nations that are involved, and all of a sudden, the face of rugby league, not only in Europe but around the world, is very different. Michael, you're totally right. And look, I'll talk talk on um, Italy's part. What we have happening in Italy is it, it's not just the consistency, it's also the quality. Yep. There are some higher tier players who really want to play rugby league and, um, you know, they're not getting the day in, day out opportunity to play that from various reasons. Rugby union, heartlands, we have um, in Italy in particular, you know, the challenges of going to a World Cup. It does place on a federation to place the best team in that. And you are, uh, from a president's word, you're, you're forced to play the cards of, of picking a lot of heritage players. Yep. This scenario will ensure players like Michele Olocchio, um, Gioli Cellerino, Simone Boscolo have, you know, great opportunity to play rugby league and really hone their skills. I get regular messages from Italian players asking for that pathway and, and I'm pretty proud to say that our, our team in Italy will, our first venture team will be Verona in a beautiful city, beautiful. Um, which has an international airport in it, has top-class facilities, you know, so that will work hand-in-hand hand with Valencia. And then other clubs in Italy, they'll have to tender the proposal to um, enter the competition. You know, regions such as Sicily and, and Milan may have a real opportunity to step up to this Euro 13 competition and really go forward. Will the teams change every year, Dean? Is that the intention? The teams that partake in 2021 could possibly be different than 2022. From the 2023 format, uh, we're looking to introduce promotion and relegation, and the domestic leagues will facilitate how those teams are promoted and how those teams um, go down. So this competition has been developed with nurturing the domestic league so that if in the event a team suddenly finds itself out of Euro 13s, yep. that team needs somewhere to go. You can't just, you know, let's let's talk about Valencia. Let's imagine Valencia get in this competition. Let's imagine they then suffer relegation. They need a competition to go back into because otherwise that club just disappears. Um, and so we've been really, really careful to focus everything on player development, strengthening domestic leagues. And it's, it's a two-sided coin in the fact that Euro 13s has to feed back into domestic leagues and the domestic leagues need to feed back into Euro 13s. Um, so that's what we've developed. I can understand why that's very appealing for all the nations that, that you're speaking to who, who want to be involved. Um, now, across the competitions and across you know Europe, um, there are many different sort of levels and standards of rugby league players and clubs. 
So, Rutz, do you think in the first instance that there might be a bit of a gulf between the top nations and, and the bottom nations if this does go ahead? Before I answer that, Michael, can I just step back and I just want to really clarify something. Yep. Dean and I are not releasing the names of the nations that have applied because there's also another side of this. Yep. We want to ensure that the clubs that are putting forward our application suit our criteria. You know, there's a number of areas that these guys will have to tick um, as a team has to en- tick to enter the NRL or Super League. That is a very big part, and I don't believe it's fair that we start to mention those of course. nations until we, we tick all that. Now, going to how do we balance out this? Because there is a big difference in quality and level throughout Europe and in, in, in nations who haven't been to the levels of the World Cup. So, you know, players like Gioli and Simone have had the benefit of playing with, with uh, the world's best players and developing and really improving. So um, we've developed a draft system, which will come into play, but I'd like to pass that over to Dean because I don't want to take his thunder on this one. This sounds exciting, Dean. Yeah, thank, thanks, Horacio. So, yeah, we've, we've initially for the 2021 phase, we've developed a draft system, um, and I'll just explain in principle how that will work uh, to make sure that we don't have meaningless games in Euro 13s. So upon entry, um, each team will be graded in terms of strongest to weakest in terms of um, playing squad. Um, And then that will filter into the draft system. So the weakest team will have the first picks and they'll have more draft picks. The strongest teams going last and having less picks, a little bit like uh, NFL. So um, we've devised a scheme of a total of 36 draft picks for the competition. That means that the four weakest teams will qualify for five draft players and the four strongest teams will be allowed a maximum of four draft players. So where will these players come from in the draft? Is it going to be from their domestic pools or is it potentially elsewhere as well? Yeah, that's what I was about to ask. (laughs) (laughs) I know you're interested, Nate. Yeah, we don't want to give too much away on the draft system right now, but... You know, there's going to be worldwide talent in that draft pick. Um, we've, we've, we've developed a system that we, um, we know is going to work. These draft players are going to be contracted to the Euro 13s um, and then distributed to the clubs for the competition. Without Dean or Ratsio giving much away, Nate and I can obviously speculate, but Nate, we've seen some of your boys over there like Brandon Anderson and Monty Gaddis making a lot of noise on Twitter about wanting to play at a high standard of rugby league, um, an opportunity like this could be great for some of those Americans. Oh yeah, man! Like the the honest answer is, you know, it's interesting. <clears throat> I've had conversations with you. I've had conversations with many individuals about the American athlete. You know, I think of something like this as a draft. You know, I've talked to uh, you know I talked to somebody probably about a year ago or so, maybe a little bit more than that. Whenever I interviewed Ryan Burrows, and uh, you know, we had some conversations both on and off the record about getting to like the Super League. When there are so many, you know, so many rules that hold them out. Uh, team, and then I've had conversations with teams that wanted to, they wanted to bring in an American, right? But in order to do that, they had to jump through all these hoops to try to, uh, to try to get them into their system. And they just, they couldn't afford to take a chance on them. And, you know, so something like this, something like a, a Euro um, competition where 
the ability for the Americans to come over, obviously all nations, but I'm speaking from from an American perspective, selfishly, uh, you know, an America to be able to come over, whether it be a side in, you know, obviously we have Spain and Italy represented on the podcast here. So whether it's end up in Spain, end up in Italy, or end up in one of many countries that this could be, um, you know, that's a, that's a massive thing. And, and what the Americans bring to it is they, they don't know the, they may not know the game as well as say an Aussie or, you know, or a Brit and that's fine. But in this kind of a competition style, what they bring in that is their edge is the, it is the athletic prowess. They don't bring the, the, the depth of skill, but they bring a, they bring something very unique. And that is that American, like, that American style of play. It's also that just American athlete, like from the time we're little kids we're groomed in every single sport we can possibly get into and groomed a year round. Like I was, I think I was probably in elementary school when I started, you know, six days a week plus film study, uh, just to be able to get ready for, you know, youth football. Like it was, it was a requirement. Uh, so there's a, there's an excitement there that, you know, that obviously to you gentlemen talking about, and I don't expect you guys to do, to dive into the draft or anything like that. But the idea that an, uh, an American could possibly put his name, you know, put his hand up and, and go, Hey, I'd like to be a part of this. That's, that's genuinely altering the game. And I think that's the, you know, going all the way back to the beginning that I'll turn it over to you guys to talk about as little or as however you want to talk about it. But going back to the beginning of the conversation for people that understand like Euro 13s, that in, in itself, Euro 13s is a big bold statement the the competition big bold statement but the idea that people from other countries from are all going to get the chance whether it be in europe or whether it be out that is a gigantic development in the game like it is that is a monumental moment to to be able to put their hands up and somebody that lives anywhere has an opportunity to possibly be involved in this yeah look and they just picking up on that um Obviously, it's a really fine balance between um, nurturing domestic talent but not alienating uh, world-class players who can compete in, you know, Euro 13s, which we hope in a very short period of time will be mentioned in the same breath as NRL and Super League. Um, and so we, we've put those strict quotas in to ensure that, you know, there's a balance between heritage players, there's a balance between draft picks, but the focus will still remain domestic talent from each of these clubs. So there'll be a criteria that they have to match and a certain number of players that they'll have to have from their country representing that club. Which is great. Yeah, that's incredible. And, and look, no doubt the aim for you guys is to make this competition the pinnacle of club rugby league around the world. But until you get there, it's actually a good sort of auditioning stage for players from nations who normally wouldn't have a pathway to maybe get noticed and recognized by some of the Super League clubs and NRL clubs as well. So I think we're going to, I think there's definitely some potential there for some of these guys to get noticed for sure. Look, the, the draft was created, guys, for uh, as a mechanism to balance and, and give the weaker teams that, that real opportunity. But the number one reason, and Dean's mentioned it, is, and Nate said it, it's opportunity. You've also got to take on board too, there's a large band of player out there who hasn't, you know, they might have missed out on an NRL opportunity or they missed out on a, uh, a Super League opportunity. And then this is a, another lifeline for them. Um, and they're a great player. They just may, may have not taken opportunities when they've seen it. And in saying that, this draft alone will create 
massive opportunities for those individual players and they'll have their clock rewound where it'll be really up to them how far they want to take it. Yeah, it's huge. So it's, it's exciting. Now, there's a lot of listeners out there either listening to Chasing Kangaroos or Rugby League in America podcast and there's there's probably two types of listeners. There's one type that are thinking, this is bloody fantastic. This is going to be huge. This is going to change the game. Then there's the other side that are cynical because they've seen and heard things from around the world of rugby league for a long, long time that has, hasn't come into fruition. And they're thinking, okay, well, that's great. A Euro, comp- a Euro you know, club competition will be amazing, but how does that actually happen? Where does the funding come from? Who's broadcasting this? Where, where are the dollars? Are you guys able to answer that, Dean? Yeah, before we go into that, and, and Dean will go into the detail, I just want to let all the listeners know that Dean, that the two federations have really taken their time in planning this. Yep. We, we are planning to succeed. Um, we're not taking this on, and we're no, not at all suggesting in this conversation tonight that, that, you know, we're here to take on Super League or take on the NRL and we're going to be the next greatest thing. Look, our aspiration is over time that we really – we get to that level, but you know we have to. We're building a, a really solid foundation, um, and we're building on that foundation. And you can see that's why we've gone for our 2021 tournament, and then we go into our cup and our league, and we'll build on that. And our quality will improve, and we've got many options down the track. There may be a off based off the um, request we had. You know, there may be a second tier and maybe a, a second division to this Euro comp. Yep. So we've got a, like any business, you've got a, a, a business plan there and then you've got, you know, second plans in case something goes wrong and we are moving and, look, I'll, I'll hand over to Dean to talk about more of the commercial aspect, but please, I just want to make it very clear that we are doing this to succeed and we're not going out for a overnight success. This success will come over a period of time. Great. Yeah, and just picking up on the, you know, the financial side and the commercial side, you you have to, to any cynical out there, you have to understand how this has evolved. So this was created as an idea. Uh, discussions um, were had with the RLEF and, and different people who were on, who, who have worked towards a European competition in the past. Um, and then we, before we delivered this to individual clubs and individual nations, we made sure we had the funds in place. Um, it's true that, you know, European rugby league or the nations or the clubs, they wouldn't be able to fund this themselves. Um, they don't have that capacity. So, of course, we've had to bring some uh, private investment on board uh, to make the competition competition possible. You you also touched on broadcasting uh, there, Michael. Um, what I can say is that we are in discussions with a number of broadcasters. Um, I can't reveal anything at this stage because those, discuss- those discussions are ongoing. Yep. But we have broadcasters who have stated an interest to know more and to discuss the option of broadcasting this. Um, but where those discussions go, you know, I'm not going to commit to right now. Is that we do have active partners who are interested in showing this around Europe. Sensational, and hopefully um, we get to watch it in Australia and the US for mine and Nate's sake as well. 
Yeah, and you know we've we've also spoken to broadcasters who are not just based in Europe because that's the whole point. If we're going to have a competition that essentially involves talent all around the world, whether you're African American, Asian, Australian, or, or, or British, people are going to want to watch this competition. So you know we need to make sure that the world can see it. Definitely, and um, you guys have kind of touched on this as well, and I, I need to mention it just so the listeners are are aware of the full picture. So. The uh, Colin Clayweg has been on Chasing Kangaroos in the past. He's, of course, the um, the owner of Red Star Belgrade, and he's on the Rugby League European Federation board. And he's hinted at similar ideas to a European club competition being in the works, and he's run Balkan Super Leagues and all that sort of thing as well. So, obviously, you know, the RLEF, for anyone that isn't aware, have a working group that has been trying to do something like this. And, and you've mentioned that, Dean, as well, that it's you know, stuff like this has been discussed in the past. Where do you guys sit, you know, comp- with the RLEF? Is this an independent move? Would you work with the bodies involved or the bodies that are, that are currently active? Where do you guys sit in relation to all of this? Michael, firstly, with this, prior to this being made official or any invitations, I wrote, reached out to the RLEF board and um, explained our position and where we were going yep. and also have um, dropped a topic with um, Colin. Please, as I've said to them and as I've put across tonight, our main focus is on providing opportunity and development pathway. I think the RLEF, to give another spin on it, are in a win-win situation because if we're successful for them, we'll be doing a large amount of development work for them. Yep. So they're in a, a great situation. As for Colin, look, he's a great man. He's done an excellent job there with Red Star. Red Star are most welcome to join. Um, up a submit an application. Colin's most welcome to be a part of it. And, uh, look, I can tell you that Italy and, and Spain were not a part of that working group, and we really have no direct knowledge of that working group, only the snippets that have been only released over the past two or three years. So we're up to speed as probably you are, Michael, of what, what they're doing. Yeah. Whereas um, our consortium uh, over the past few months and particularly the past few weeks has really delivered. And I can tell you one thing, we will deliver. That's one thing I can assure you. There will be a Euro 13 and um, you know, we'll see where it takes us. And just picking up on that, you know, this is not, we're not a a rebel group who's decided we want to do something separately. You know, all my conversations, when I started this competition format as Valencia Huracanes, as it evolved, people have been aware of those conversations. So, you know, I went and spoke to the RLEF. I was put in touch with their working group. I had conversations with Colin. Uh, We've exchanged ideas and, and different things. And... What I would say is, and this is not any slight on anybody, um, they have a working group. We have a fully developed competition format. Um, and we invite, we're inviting all of those people, all those great minds who have been working on that working group, whether they're the RDF or their separate entity or whether they're Colin or they're some commercial aspect that they have. Let's get around the table and talk. The simple fact is, Europe needs a league competition like this. Um, we have it. It's not a question of we're not, we're not a working group. We are a competition that is currently accepting applications. 
and this competition will start in 2021. That's sensational because we do know Serbia is quite powerful in terms of the minor nations in Europe and, and you know, Red Star is obviously probably the, one of the stronger clubs. So from my perspective, I know I hope that all can be involved as I know you guys you guys are, you know, obviously saying the exact same thing. So I think that's fantastic. Oh, mate, it'd be fantastic to see a Red Star versus Valencia in a final. Semi-final, that is, and Verona, they're waiting for them. <laughs> <laughs> well played. Well played. That's it. <laughs> no, Nate, I was fast on my feet when I played. Don't worry. Mate. <laughs> I like it. I like that a lot. Michael, uh, uh, this is this is kind of going out to the guys. Obviously, you piggyback on this how you how you see fit. So yep. I, I, I completely understand. I, I see what you guys are saying. Um, and, I, and I like that. Uh, I, I, I love it. And the idea that one is a working group trying to figure it out. Another group comes along. You know, I, I use this as an example. I've been in... I've been in groups before meetings before whatever you want to say uh, where you come along and, and, and you say something and, and somebody just looks at it and go, Oh, we don't like that. I've also been a part of groups where you come along and it's like, I don't like it. I don't dislike it, but what is it? Right. So, so a lot of times it's a matter of people just don't know what it is. Right. So once they see it, once they, once they're like, okay, now I see what you're doing. Uh, and so a lot of times that's all it comes down to, right? Like, it, you know, it's, it's, it's RLE, RLEF is working on this. We are working on this. And then at some point the two look up and go, huh, that, that, and that all work. Uh, we can combine that together. That looks good. And then boom, just like that, the game goes forward. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, and I'm not, su- I'm not suggesting this is what would happen, but as rugby league fans, we know that you know the game sometimes our biggest enemy has been ourselves through the over a hundred year history of our sport and I, I i sometimes imagine what the game would be like you know if if we all work together and i think there's a great opportunity here in europe there's a lot of potential here for this competition i know that obviously people like nate and myself and the listeners of our podcast would would be number one fans very excited about a competition like this but there are people, especially like I can speak on behalf of like NRL fans, for example, and a lot of them don't even know, you know, 90% of the stuff that we, we talk about, about on our podcasts are even happening in the world of rugby league. And these are people that don't even know they'd be a fan of a competition like this. And it, it could potentially, like I said, I've said it a few times, it could potentially be huge. So yeah, hats off to you guys for doing what you're doing. Michael, in that, and thank you. I just want to really put across with what you're saying there. One thing I've been probably in the administration side of since 2013 came into a federation with a, a large amount of problems had to do restructuring. And, and it's been a very hard journey for myself and I've learned from uh, a lot of mistakes and, and you know, um, resetting and going again and moving forward. But one thing I can tell everyone is that Dean is someone who is bringing something exciting to rugby league. He is what rugby league needs. He's energetic. He's an entrepreneur. Uh, he's a very smart businessman in his own right. But also in that he's humble and he wants to develop rugby league players and clubs, which is absolutely fantastic. And we need more people like Dean. Nate, m- my personal aspiration, which I sort of look to all the time and I don't know how much you know about, but I, I love the concept of the XFL and um, constantly referring back to that story over the years and seeing their success and their failures and 
you know, if they didn't have the, the coronavirus this year, they, you know, they were on par for their most successful year. And I've been taking a few little, from my own notes and aspirations, dissecting what they've done wrong uh, over the years and where they've gone wrong and but what then they've got right and trying to bring it to, to our competition. So the combination of Dean's skill set with my skill set, and, and I'll take the opportunity to mention Tiziano Franchini, yep. who will be in charge of the governance. And it's a great little team, which is delivering at a large amount at a very high speed. And I can tell you, I've been around business for a long time, and this is a very, very good team, which is going to get results. Hey, Carbs, can I say something here real fast? Of course. I think that's something from my standpoint, as the, as I'm talking, there's four of us here on this conversation and one of us that's born in a non-traditional rugby league world uh, that's very used to the American system. So the XFL, I'll totally understand that, uh, Ratio, that, that uh, connection there. I think one of the things inside of this also is, like you just said, you've been involved in business, Dean talking business, entrepreneur, all the different things. So many times, and this isn't a bash on the traditional rugby league person, because I actually love, I mean, the reason why I love the game of rugby league is because it's the game of rugby league and all that goes into it. But the, one of the big things is having a background in rugby league only needs to matter. doesn't mean that it doesn't belong, but it only needs to matter when you're talking the history of the game from a nostalgic standpoint, or when you're talking about on-field performance. But when you're talking about building a competition, when you're talking about building something, it, like you don't have to have a background in, in a sport to be a good businessman, but you need to have a good background in business to be a good businessman. <laughs> like you need yeah. to, you need to have something like, and I think that's really important. So for the people, anybody that doesn't grasp that, like having a bunch of guys that used to play the game and then talking about how they're going to build something is great, but you have to, you have to know a whole different industry to be on the administrative side of this. Yeah, there's definitely, it sounds like there's definitely the right mix of business and passion. And um, I think that's important because this is unlike anything, or the concept is unlike anything we've seen before. And I think, Nate, you and I agree that, you know, sometimes, or especially rugby league is due for a little bit of different sort of thinking. Yeah. And just picking up on that, Michael. Okay, so... You're right. You know, through my through my life of following rugby league, um, it always seems to have lots of full stones. And then I don't know if it's egos or um, politics that get in the way. Um, and that's what we want to avoid here. You know, that's what we've been talking. There's um, in business. There's no space for egos. Egos destroys business. And in this sense, those egos could destroy a competition. So, you know, it's our hope that everyone around the world, not just administrators, but just buys into this. Because if people buy into this, this is going to be a really successful competition. Um, if rugby league defaults to type and suddenly starts wanting to enter into politics and, you know, I am bigger than you kind of scenario, then you're essentially just going to continue in the same cycle as the last 20, 30, 40 years of rugby league. That's right. Um, Nate, did you have any other things that you wanted to, to bring up? Yeah, I, I do have one thing. This is kind of, uh, it's kind of throwing it all together, right? It's talking about Europe. It's talking about a draft. It's talking about possible teams. It's, it's everything. And we talked about your goal, Super League, NRL, you know, giving another option to be able to grow to that level and that kind of thing. When we talk about developing the domestic player, though, so in your 
I know you've said like what your, your hope is to develop those domestic players. Fast forward, if things work the way you want them to, right? Both of you guys, the, the ideas you bring in plus everybody else. And let's say the, you know, everything, you know, obviously things will adjust, but it, it all goes well. Fast forward. Uh, let's do this in world cup cycles. Cause it's easier. So fast forward uh, two world cups from now, the 2025, the reality is what you're trying to make player standpoint. What you're trying to say is that when all of these nations that go in, to a world cup that get in that may not be the traditional nations you're talking about domestic players that can step on a field that aren't playing catch up in a in a camp and they may not have the overall pedigree of a professional player but we're talking about what you guys do is then develop if a nation brings i'll, I'll just use this as an example if they bring um, 12 heritage players and 11 domestic players those 11 domestic players will have had years of really good competition and training which makes our world cup it makes everything better yeah that's the point here the point is here that you know not only europe but world rugby benefits here because you know in our draft system we could have africans we could have asians we could have americans um anyone polish guys dutch guys all in there and then we have you know as a club competition expands we have all of these domestic players playing with world-class stars um that just makes you better as a player um that then becomes a snowball effect because we keep getting better standards of players better standards of coaches uh, better facilities and before you know it you have a true world cup on your hands in 2025 and nate i'll even um add to this the other side of that not only will we be exposing domestic players to more rugby league and more quality players will be exposing the general communities in those European nations to more rugby league. So who's to say that in 2025 that Dino and Orazio aren't putting a proposal in for the World Cup to be held throughout Europe? Absolutely. That's a beautiful and thing. Yeah, I know I know Carr's losing his mind right now because I am on the thought of that. Now we're talking. I'm just planning I'm just planning the trip in my mind, that's all. Yeah, so you can see it's a double-sided sword. You know, there's going to be massive success, but there'll be development for coaches, development for staff. Local communities will benefit. The whole game will just be given a new lifeblood to go, to go forward. Look, we've spoken about some of the issues with with rugby league that have been there, but you know, it's times moving on, and we all we we all evolve. And look, I'm sure Dean and I can deliver and. Hopefully the RLEF can hop on board with us and, and, and enjoy our journey. Well, guys, I'm excited. Nate, I'm sure you are as well. Uh, you've answered all of our questions. Um, I'm sure you've answered most questions that our listeners would have as well. Before we, um, and, and we, I think we've done a great job in, I guess, introducing the world to this new concept and we look forward to hearing more and more about it. Before we leave the conversation, was there anything that either of you wanted to mention or anything that we've we've sort of forgotten to say along the ride here? Oh, no, I'd like to ask Dean a question because I know the answer. <laughs> Dean, can you tell everyone what, what our, number, our number one draft pick, what number will he wear on the playing field? He'll wear number one. Number one. In fact, every draft pick will, will have a number uh, from one to 36 and they will wear that number throughout the competition regardless of whether they represent 
That's a very cool concept. I love that. Love so that. it might be so a, might one be a cool one for that number one draft pick. That's awesome, guys. Well, look, I think this has been amazing. I'm sure our listeners have, have learned a lot and they're excited. I want to invite all of you back um, down the line, maybe as things progress and, and as we start to learn more about, you know, the, the funding and the broadcasting and some of the teams and the nations that will be involved. Maybe we come back and, and have this conversation all over again and talk a little more about season 2021 of the Euro 13s. Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to. No problems. Thanks very much, guys. Thank you, Nate. Thank you, Michael. Yeah, no worries. Thanks, boys. Yeah, speak soon. Good times.